Welcome to the final installment of the Friends of the Rant podcast interview series with artists from the Fall 2023 Carolina Indie Fest. With this episode, we've brought you interviews now with all 10 of the acts who are planning to take the stage at Hugger Mugger Brewing in downtown Sanford this Friday and Saturday, September 29th and 30th. First up, we've got Greensboro, North Carolina-based folk rock act Farewell Friend, who are scheduled to play at 5.30 p.m. on Saturday, September 30th. Before the interview starts, I'm going to play Birds in Flight. After the interview, I'll play Chasing the Globe by Farewell Friend. Well, my shaky voice slips from the tiller to the ground. Will my crooked rose still bear any fruit? I'm a trail of motion, a broken bottle in the ocean. When I make sense of me, can I introduce myself? I'll tell her what I mean, mean just what I say and spell it out. Before somebody else dies Cause there's something in her eye Gonna make me lie just a little Something in her smile Gonna make it true If I empty my chest Of the best words I'm holding Will maybe share Slowed her down between the pages And I'm trying to start her up again We then hurry out the door To the airport And we'll never heard from again But the necessary words won't escape my lips Cause there's something in her eyes Gonna make me lie just Something in her smile gonna make it true If I empty my chest of the best Words I'm holding will maybe she'll fill in the rest So here we go Of you from a distant edge of town. 
And all her garden's rows are one by stubbing of the toes Against the stones her enemies have thrown And all her perfect edges float like cursed birds in flight And I know better than to dare and call her mine Cause there's something in her eye gonna make me lie just a little Something in her smile gonna make it true And if I empty my chest Of the best words I'm holding Well, maybe she'll fill in the rest So here we go Here we go So uh, I am joined by Tom from Farewell Friend out of Greensboro, North Carolina. We're playing Saturday, September 30th at Carolina Indie Fest. Uh, Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always start these the same way. Um, I just I like to hear it's a tough question, but I like to hear people talk about their music in their terms, what it is they're doing. I obviously checked it out and have some thoughts about it, but I just like you to kind of tell me the the story of farewell friend and what it is that you do and, and where you come from. I'm just hashing out my experience as a, as a guy trying to be all right uh, to my neighbors and trying to uh, be compassionate, you know, to Love myself, it. to people around, um, but just experiencing, you know, life as anybody else goes through it, where relationships kind of ebb and flow and you think you've found a community and that community kind of evaporates and you think you've found neighbors and they move away and you know I'm kind of a I, I grew up being more transient um, a preacher's kid from Indiana kind of moved around a lot when I was a kid um, but I found myself kind of in Greensboro uh, you know more planted and I like that but I also just deal with the challenges of kind of wanting to leave and wanting to strike out and have an adventure or move around more as an adult than I do. So it's just, there's that tension of having connections and uh, dealing with, you know, how those connections change over time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, do you want to talk about the music at all? Obviously from my listen, the lyrics are very important to what you do and what you're saying seems to be the the first thing that comes in the music, but I, I'm curious to hear about the music. Um, what kinds of things inspired you? And you have a very distinctive sound, so I'm curious as to what drives that and where it comes from. Um, a lot of the sound is really just um, it's an exploration for me. I I started learning to record while learning to record these songs and. If I'm curious about or excited by like an instrument that week, or I'm you know involved in a, a a plugin or involved in you know if I've got friends that have you know a random instrument that I kind of want to record, or I meet somebody in open at an open mic night and they want to perform on the record and that sort of thing, it's it's a collaborative effort that I just kind of keep open. Mm -hmm. Over the years, have you know built a 
kind of revolving door of musicians and bands, uh, band members in the group that uh, bring a lot of different stuff. And I'm just kind of always exploring what people can bring to it. It's always just a lot of fun to figure out, you know, how do I mic this piano or how do I set up a recording setup for, you know, three people to record live? You know, it's just mm -hmm. kind of an exploration um, of what people are going to do in the room. And that just allows the the songs to become whatever they're going to be. This last record, I've been a lot more kind of meticulous and focusing because um, I'm a little squirrely when it comes to the creative process. I kind of bounce around a little more than I'd like to. And this album, um, I've focused much more on what's going to suit my voice and what's going to suit the song better. Okay. I've matured in that way a little bit more, but um, yeah. That that's you mentioned sort of the the creative process being a bouncing around process. Do you mean like um, that at times one element of a song may come to you first, or another may come to you first, or are you talking about trying to do different things with your with your art? Both uh, for me, uh, songwriting starts with a riff, and then it is. Uh, based around a lyric that comes to mind and that lyric will tend to be a little bit enigmatic or maybe a, a little bit uh it's not immediately obvious what it's about um and i spend the rest of the songwriting process trying to interpret it or hash it out or figure out what what i want to say along those lines um the example that i always use for that is the pearl i'm no company man i'm too proud was the first line with that and spent a while figuring out how that related to something I'd been reading uh, John Steinbeck's short story and oh wow another uh another one um birds in flight uh the line was you know it's like something in your eye gonna make me uh, lie just a little bit and something in your smile gonna make it true um and I, I thought that was just an interesting take on like how relationships start and how we kind of put our best foot forward and we wear our best suit. And then by the end of the relationship, you know, people really see the the cracks, you know, um, but the hope is that like through relationship, we actually grow into the person that we want to be, um, regardless of whether or not there's like a little bit of salesmanship in the beginning of, sure. of the relationship, you know. Sure. Um, you talked a little bit about coming from Indiana, small town, Indiana, son of a preacher. And you're, you said you landed in Greensboro. Do you want to expand a little bit at all about what brought you to North Carolina? Um, college brought me to, to Greensboro. I went to UNCG and studied uh, history and psychology and then social studies and uh, became a teacher, got married. My wife's from Greensboro. Um, her family's here and yeah, so it's it's college, school, relationship, family. So it's what keeps me keeps me here in Greensboro. At what point in that journey, whether it's during your time in Indiana, hopping around or landing in Greensboro, what point did music and making music sort of enter enter your world? Some of my earliest memories uh, around music are um, riding my bike around. Um, out in the country and humming melodies to myself that I couldn't place where they were from. And I thought, well, I, I made that up. I must be a songwriter. Um, nice. Uh, 
other memories of listening in the garage as my brother practiced scales on the trumpet or uh, watching my mom play piano at the church, um, you know, or, or being at a, a camp meeting and seeing the first like horn trio that I heard um, was, you know, a, a couple uh, trombone players and a trumpet player accompanying the choir um, and thinking that was really cool. Um, so it, yeah, those are, those are the earliest things that come to mind really. When did you start playing music? Um, I remember uh, Indiana started uh, the music education for you know, elementary school students, I think in fifth grade. Um, and I, so I, I picked up my brother's trumpet and was kind of learning how to play that. And um, then we moved to North Carolina and North Carolina starts music education in like seventh grade, at least back then they did. And um, by that time I picked up a, a flute at my cousin's house and I, I learned how to play the flute like pretty quickly. It was kind of toy-like or easy for me. So I, I just kind of stuck with that and uh, did that in high school until I uh, picked up a guitar and started just kind of picking apart melodies. And about that time YouTube happened. So I started just like I teach myself watching YouTube videos on how to play like Sweet Child of Mine or, or uh, System of a Down or Smashing Pumpkins or whatever I was into at that time. Sure, sure. How, how does that, where does the jump go from there to to forming a band and, and creating songs and, 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 and Farewell Friend? How does that come into the picture? Um, I, I'd say Farewell Friend was uh, kind of this side project uh, between uh, myself and the engineer and uh, the front man um, from a band called the collection and they're, they're still doing stuff. They're pretty big. Um, but, uh, you know, I learned to produce while in that band, I learned, uh, you know, to produce just by kind of watching over the shoulder, um, of David and the engineer Ed. Um, and they, they both kind of helped me get this started in the studio, get it, get it uh, off the ground as far as the first recordings went. Um, but in that context, the collection at that time was, uh, was a very um, large ensemble, very boisterous orchestral rock outfit, uh -huh. sometimes had 18 people on stage, you know. Um, and in that context, I was usually playing a combination of flute, glockenspiel, um, guitar, a little bit of horns and you know, all kinds of different random stuff that, uh, that I could get my hands on to help with those orchestrations that David already put down. Um, I was there kind of just trying to be a Swiss army knife, helping that out. And, um, that definitely helped me understand like how arrangements and orchestrations are put together. Um, mm -hmm. so that's, that's when I kind of branched into, into recording. I kind of learned that from those guys. That actually leads into something I wanted to ask about in, in things I've read it. It's discussed about the, the live sound is sometimes different from the recorded sound. You have a lot of different instrumentation on your uh, recorded stuff. Mm -hmm. um, how do you translate that to a live setting? I know it's not always possible to have everybody playing everything. So talk about the difference in your live show versus what's on the records. Well, th this is probably way in the weeds for some people, or maybe it's exactly what we're here for. Um, I love it. Go in the weeds. <laughs> I, I, um, with this album, I, I 
like I said, the, the voice was the kind of most important aspect for me. And, you know, is the song in the right key signature? Is that, you know, where am I at? And then, um, you know, is the guitar even the right thing? I, I wrote a lot of these songs for this next album um, on piano, which is not my primary instrument, you know, but it's the instrument that I kind of uh, remember most formatively. You know, I remember my mom playing piano, um, of course. And um, anyway, so it just... The, this whole album process kind of came about as saying, okay, let me try different key signatures. Let me try different instruments to accompany this and, and really just focus on the voice. But it, it ended um, in production, at least. The last thing that I ended up doing was uh, a lot of vocal effects processing that was designed to sound like my voice being sent through a guitar amp and then through... Oh, wow or you know or through distortion pedals into a guitar amp and then stereo delays and stuff and um that was kind of the parameter and that tended to be like a like a trick in logic um in the DAW using aux channels and things like that but um I I wanted to find a way to do that live um so I found like this old 1950s uh high z like quarter inch jack microphone like it has a quarter inch jack on it instead of an xlr and yeah so i plug that into an extra channel on my on my guitar amp or i just like have it set there not plugged in i unplug my guitar and i plug my uh guitar cable into that microphone and switch over and i'm singing these like falsetto parts that over the years they've been the kind of thing that i would sing to you know i'd sing to the violin player uh, or I'd sing to the electric guitar player some of these ideas, um, especially if like the session isn't really moving like I want it to. I always just use my voice to kind of coach people on where to go. And um, so it's that's the thing that I did this last little run. I went up to Asheville to support um, an Australian touring band called Minor Gold. Um, and I opened up for them and I just brought, you know, my acoustic guitar and that vocal microphone on my guitar pedal board. And so I just sat there on the stool with my foot, just riding the volume pedal on my uh, effects board, you know, and tapping out the tap tempo and then deciding which sections I wanted to put in. Oh, wow. Uh, the distortion. And the other time I did that here in Greensboro, I was playing outside at uh, lawn service and. I got, I kind of got into this conversation about, uh, with one of the audience members about how the song was kind of like a, like a ghost story. And I like kind of joking and I was like, okay, can I make my voice sound like a ghost here? What can I do? And I like turned up a shimmer reverb and like a tape delay. And like this, this whole sound was like the perfect thing for this song that I've been playing for now, like 15 years. It was oh, like, wow. so a revisiting of it. It was just like, oh, that's exactly what I've always wanted. But you know, hadn't had the the wherewithal to do it until this last few months so it's it's a fun fun little nerd out thing right now so you know that's one way that like me with just by myself you know i can i can produce wherever i'm at something that to me like kind of boils the album down boils down like the rock band that it should sound like the national or the war on drugs but it's just me so that that pedal board effects is like kind of how I create this synth atmosphere and all the vocal effects to accompany that story that I'm telling. I love that. That's great. Like I, I love to hear how people are using 
things like pedal effects and and whatnot to to kind of enhance things not not necessarily enhance because a good song has to be good to begin with but especially after 15 years if you could find a way to bring to sort of breathe new life into a song or or to fully realize the vision that's that's really cool yeah i think so i think so too i um for maybe for worse or better i um I'm one of these people that doesn't necessarily think like a great song um, ever necessarily stands completely on its own without the recording process informing that mood or informing that. I mean, the recording process itself is, is an instrument unto itself and it's a time capsule for whatever age that song came around in. So I, I always kind of think of it as a balancing act between you know, hopefully a song is good, but I think, you know, even uninteresting songs could be much better simply because of like how they can be produced. So sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. How did you get involved with Indie Fest? How did this happen for you? We have a a, a great friend and manager in, uh, in my buddy, Laura Jane Vincent, um, who is just kind of the epicenter of this music scene in a lot of ways. And she, she, I ran into her because of uh, Glennon Fest years ago, um, which is this little music festival where just a tribe of misfit songwriters and band leaders go and jam out for a weekend. And um, you know, talking to her years ago, it's like, oh, I, you know, can I record shows here? You know, or can I record bands here and this sort of thing? And um, over the years, I've recorded maybe six albums at her house. Because uh, it's this old house from the 1700s, has a big hall, oh, wow. has rooms that are far enough apart that you can get separation between the vocalist and the drummer. And um, anyway, we've we've had a really cool collaborative friendship over the years, and um, she's become the the booking agent and manager for Farewell Friend. Um, and uh, I'm pretty pretty sure she uh, she's responsible for for getting us in there. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Looking at your uh looking at your Spotify page, it, the albums go back to about 2019. Is that reflective of the timeline for farewell friend or has stuff been happening before that? What is, what, what is, uh, what is the recorded output for farewell friend look like? Is that what it is? Or is there more? Uh, that first album lineage, the one with the tree, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a re-release after um, releasing three EPs digitally on spotify and i think on Bandcamp they might still be kind of broken up into the separate releases and might be like the original masters of those yeah i looked at it it just says 2018 so i was incorrect there on on Bandcamp. Uh, on spotify on spotify yeah yeah no i those started as early um i think we released maybe the first one in 2013 oh wow okay so a lot longer than that yeah, so I mean, we we sat down for those first recording sessions in in, uh, in Durham at my buddy's Ed or my buddy Ed's house um, in 2013, right after New Year's Eve, and um, released that like first three songs at a place called the Turntable down in Jamestown, which was like another little hub of songwriters at, at that time, um, and then we re- released a another EP a little bit later on. I started to kind of take over. Um, the recording process, but still let other guys kind of polish and finish it up and master and mix it. Um, and that was uh, father and no, so grandfather clock, 
was the last one. Brother, so father and son. Oh, I'm messing this up. I need to look it up because it's been yeah. years. Um, hey, that's a that's a good thing for a working musician. <laughs> if you can't remember the order, that means you're doing enough that you know, like you can't even remember it all. That's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, went through that process of releasing those and gradually, um, taking over, uh, aspects of the, the production as I went, um, this is weird. This is okay. I don't even know how to use Bandcamp anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like trying to figure out, um, but, you know, I've got like. So the art on the walls, like the original art from those. No, yeah, I guess I didn't. I I I still kind of put that together. So, so Brothers Keeper and Grandfather Clock was the first and the last. And um, I want to say that the the next one was, uh, or the middle one was Father and Son. Gonna, Do you have uh, new stuff that's in the works? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, the next album that we're just about to start releasing um, singles for uh in december um it's called the silent years and um been working on those songs uh one of them since like 2012 um i found a demo in my uh in my my gmail of, of a song and um that's like the oldest song it's called the hopes of young men um and it's like this smorgasbord of different imagery and stuff that I've like more fully developed in other songs and so it's this little catch-all um or or summarize a uh, summary of like different uh different ideas that I was kind of working through at that time um and it's fun to kind of cap this fourth album off with it um but then in a lot of the other songs I wrote um during the pandemic or um thinking about the black lives matter protests and, and that movement and and thinking about uh social issues and just thinking a, a lot about isolation and anxiety that you know i think kind of was the common theme for a lot of people during the pandemic sure. um, at least it was the kind of resonant frequency from my experience there um was just feeling ang anxious and alone um and then yeah, so we, we started kind of working. I had maybe 17 or 18 demos and we went into the studio um, and went through the process of just kind of like refining those songs and narrowing it down to 13 um, that we've uh, almost got fully mixed and mastered right now. And that's going to start start hit, hitting Spotify in December with a, with a song called The Formula. Okay, awesome. One of the things that jumped out at me in in checking out your music, um, one song in particular was uh, the I think it was called "The House Next to Mine," um, and obviously I was struck by what I don't know if I'd call it a political message, but it was a I've said this before, but like a, a very socially aware message. And you brought up Black Lives Matter, you brought up things like that. That's not necessarily present through all of your music, but how important is your your belief in how the world should be how, how how much of an element is that in in your writing does it come when it comes is it there always and we're just not always hearing it what's what's your take on that um i don't like i don't like preaching from the guitar i don't i don't like what that uh what that feels like when i think songwriters go a little bit too ha heavy-handed with 
this is the way things should be. Why are you dumb enough not to figure it out, audience? Right. And like, I don't like feeling that way. Like, are they talking to me? Who are they talking to? Or am I the choir? What's the deal? Um, so I, there's a there's a threshold that I try not to go across. Um, and it's I can't describe it exactly, but there's just a feeling that I avoid. Um, and I'll, sure. I'll cut verses out when they go too far in a certain direction. Um, but with, you know, with this next, this next album, um, there's a song called uh, An Otherwise Flawless Film, where I'm just talking about how mundane of an experience I'm having, and then uh, <laughs> talking about a specific uh, weekend where I like, you know, I was like dealing with having thrown my back out and pulled a, you know, pulled my IT band or whatever. I'd, I'd injured like four things in my legs and my back and was like in such pain. I like ended up uh, like uh, going too far with muscle relaxers and, and, uh, and uh, Delta eight gummies, <laughs> like <laughs> and watching a, a Wes Anderson film. Um, and uh like for me in that, that experience, I was like, you know, caught up in that, but then just like the paranoia um, <laughs> and like anxiety that always kind of comes with THC for me, um, even in its milder derivatives, like it's, uh, I uh, <laughs> was like really caught up in this feeling of like, no, I'm, I'm the problem. I'm, I'm the the missing link here. I'm I'm the one. I'm I'm living here trapped in suburbia. It's it's me who's the problem. Like and I I at this time too it's just like I think around that with the Black Lives Matter still just kind of like in the back of my mind and then the war in Ukraine kind of present like it was how it was this massive anxiety of feeling like how close are we to like genocide here like what what's the tipping point when when are we gonna experience that like i hope not you know but feeling like that paranoia just kind of turned into this almost like sarcastic like self-deprecating moment to say like dude you've just had a little bit too much um <laughs> right you know it's kind of like the the way that i want that to kind of come across is, is a little bit snarky and a little bit you know just too too far in my head with with mind-altering substances um and then sort of working my way through that at the end of the song and saying like you know i i do have beliefs about certain policy things and like if i could vote a particular agenda i think it would be that we can just like have bike lanes <laughs> <laughs> i love it it was like it, it, this part of my brain saying like all right hold on hold on putin and and hold on, <laughs> hold on, Charlottesville rioters and hold on Black Lives Matter. I have everybody drop everything. I have the solution. It's bike lanes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I find this hilarious. And so like if if that's like, you know, if I'm saying, yeah, I have political beliefs, but I also hold them in a certain like self-deprecating light th that that to me is like fun <laughs> that's what art's about yeah it's absolutely it's it's a message but you don't beat people over the head with it you've been too busy kind of smacking yourself up the head right it's a, a, cha a channeling of everything that's going on outside you funneled through your own brain and i love that yeah
Well, um, I always like to give uh, the artists that are playing Carolina Indie Fest an opportunity to talk about where people could find their music, if there's social channels that you like people to check out that you prefer. If you just want to share those, that'd be great. Uh, we want everybody to know about our Patreon. Um, okay. It's like the, the cool place where you can know all of this behind the scenes. Like I literally, I think I did a play by play back in January, like the, the month leading up to recording the album, like here's what I'm working on today. I'm doing like the, you know, the guide tracks or here's what I'm working on today. We figured out this baseline that like we borrowed from Billy Eilish kind of thing, or it's like, you know, all these random behind the scenes bits about like, Oh, the, the recording process like we decided to overdub the vocals because this room doesn't sound great for my vocals you know it's all this stuff so like for me the craft of recording the songs and writing them um that process is laid bare on on patreon and it's the most interesting place to me but then um i'm also releasing typically a weekly live performance um on youtube at least one song and then Wednesday nights I do a, a live stream on YouTube and um so if people can you know subscribe to us on Spotify that's super helpful I you know I, I don't just release my own music I, I usually curate um a Spotify playlist every week of stuff that's kind of interesting or thematic to me okay awesome on Spotify and you know we're on iTunes and Amazon and all these other places um and we've mentioned you know Bandcamp a little bit ago too that's that's where we've got some some musics as well um noise trades like you know pick your poison wherever you want to go um we try to be there um sharing the music time in each and every old life is she the one is she for fun is she for searching eyes is he a ten is he a nine eight seven or six is he a pile of oddly weird shaped bricks he stands in the window a perfectly lifeless window nothing inside nothing for hide nothing for searching eyes they're teething Believing affection is stitched the width of those mannequins' clothes. Despite my love of falling, I'm not falling in love. I'm swimming around in circles in my mind. I'm only chasing her eyes down the Chasing, chasing, and I'm not telling a history. I'm diagnosing a misery, but I ain't no doctor. She ain't no nurse, and we aren't healing anyone tonight. I got the case of the twitching eyes, a stumbling, tumbling mind, and a sneaky disguise. I'm a believable but unbelievable friend Asleep in the shadows wearing a halo For a one night stand Despite my love of falling 
chasing, chasing the glow. final interview in the Carolina Indie Fest podcast series for fall 2023. We've got Kara Granger, a Nashville-based blues and rock singer-songwriter originally hailing from just outside Sydney, Australia. Kara Granger plays Carolina Indie Fest at 6.45 p.m. on Saturday, September 30th. Before we talk to her, I'm going to play Nowhere to Be Found, and after the interview, I'll close out the episode with Groove Train. Be sure to visit RantNC.com for our Fall 2023 Carolina Indie Fest Spotify playlist. And don't miss the totally free Carolina Indie Fest this Friday and Saturday at Hugger Mugger Brewing in downtown Sanford.
joined by Kara Granger who uh Sydney Australia or or Nashville Tennessee by way of Sydney Australia um why don't you just introduce yourself um obviously you have a very lengthy music career that's very impressive and I want you to talk about it but just start by talking about you know what you do for people who might be listening to this podcast sure well yeah I started my music journey as you said in Sydney Australia and it's taken me all around the world. Uh, I, I grew up uh, predominantly playing a lot of blues and soul music, but I also was influenced by a lot of singer-songwriters like Joni Mitchell and, uh-huh. um, you know, and actually a little bit of Emmy Lou Harris. And uh, so I, I very much was inspired by a lot of female singer-songwriters to begin with. And then I got deep into the blues and soul. Um, I love country as well. I'm just kind of all across the board stylistically. But you know, I um, I've always had a lot of lot of love for music from the South. I think of Southern American music, sure. and um, I've also roots. You know, a lot of roots music, and I've also always loved guitar. And I've been, uh, you know, um, been playing guitar since I was twelve year old, and singing and playing, but in a lot of different styles as well. So I incorporate a lot of that into my my set playing some slide guitar and and my other you know um telecaster or a strat or whatever i feel like playing and then uh i sing my blues inspired um blues and roots inspired original music and it's also pretty guitar forward because that's as i said one of my main loves yeah i can you talk about that a little bit like um where you if you're talking about the the early 90s i guess or maybe even the early 80s like or the I'm sorry the late 80s where what got you hooked on guitar and what got you hooked on the music that you're talking about can you give some specific examples um yeah well I was actually when I was a a kid I was listening to um a lot of uh you know retro music for the time and I was actually in a band with my brother and we'd tour up and down the coast of Australia and we were a bit of a rarity because we were playing music from you know 
like Southern American blues and soul and funk music from the 60s and 70s, you know, and we were, um, you know, all of 18 years old or whatever. So we were kind of like, as I said, a little bit of a novelty back then. But I was was listening to a lot of that stuff. I didn't really... um, you know, but I did have a, I had a great guitar teacher and he introduced me to Stevie Ray Vaughan as well oh, yeah. and, and Buddy Guy and Albert King and, and um, also my brother, uh, as I mentioned, I had the band with, really went on a um, a bit of a vinyl, vinyl search before before vinyl was cool and brought in sure. all these, this great music that you couldn't get back then, you know, anywhere else into the house, so. And um, and then that sent me on a you know, on a kind of bit of a trip searching for these, this soulful music, you know. Yeah, beyond Buddy Guy and Stevie Ray Vaughan, can you talk about some of the things that you might have discovered that way? Ah, uh, sure. Well, another thing is that when when I was in the band, um, we were all about eighteen years old, um, right. and that was touring around. I said that these you know beautiful beach towns in Australia. It was a lot of fun, but. In some ways, we were kind of too young to really have this. I would have had a lot more fun now if I was doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it yeah. was great. It was great. But we were just so, so naive and just, you know, along for the ride kind of. Um, but uh, in the van, we'd all, we were all had very different styles. And I was greatly influenced by all the musicians in that band. And it was called Papa Lips. You know, yeah. the drummer was deeply influenced by New Orleans and, and, and Zigaboo and uh reggae music and even african drumming and all this kind of stuff the bass player was deep into memphis soul my brother was into harmonica chicago blues and all that kind of thing so it it was actually um there was so much great music we'd listen to back then on our trips you know we'd all bring in something new right. at the time which was you know yeah plus like late 90s or something when we were traveling around doing that so yeah well, what is it that brought you to the United States? I understand you came to New York first and then you were in Los Angeles for a while and now you're in Nashville. Can you talk a little bit about that journey, why you left Australia and what's what's led you to Nashville? Well, I I think that band eventually, we all went different ways. Stylistically, we're moving in different directions. So I came over and I was working with a record label and it was really LA mainly. I did a quick trip to New York, but I did my first album in LA and that's where, where I spent most of my time. And uh, I just kind of, I landed in a really great spot where I was, you know, lucky enough to work with this great producer, David Kalish, who introduced me, with, you know, to wonderful musicians. And I just, I just, you know, loved being in that community of musicians there in LA. So I stayed much longer than I thought I would have. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there was great, great players like Jeff Young on keys and who um, who I miss very dearly. And uh, we had uh, Reggie McBride on bass and, you know, Richie Haywood on drums for a couple of songs. And all, all these, like, wonderful people that from Australia were such a thrill So I'd seen them on records and there I was playing with them in the studio. And that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, to be yeah, I'm sure. To be heroes, you know. Yeah, that's that's um, got to be amazing. Yeah, and I would tour around a little bit. I've been doing that more about in the last six or seven years around the States. Um, but I would go more, I think, to overseas, to Europe and Japan and 
uh, other parts of Asia and then in the last six or seven years, yeah, I started to tour more mm-hmm. um, in the States itself and then that's where I really discovered that I liked Nashville a lot and um, I've been wanting to move there for a while and I finally made the move four years ago now. Okay. And, yeah, just quality of life, open space, musical talent, uh, location in the middle of the States. Yeah. You know, it's it's great for so many reasons. But um, I originally moved here because it was quiet, you know, but it's not quiet anymore. Right. <laughs> it's not quiet no more. Well, I'm sure you have access to any number of amazing musicians. Nashville has a reputation as a country town, but it's really got a reputation as like a music town. There, You can find pretty much anything that you're interested in doing, and I'm sure you've like developed relationships and, and met new people who are in your wheelhouse and, and country and blues and rock are all kind of related, but I'm sure you found a bunch of players who are ready to step up and do what it is that you do. Yeah. I mean, in, you know, modern pop music that I call anything, you know, from the, the 1940s up until now, (laughs) you know, there's only two types. It's good or bad. It's the same. It's the same music. It really is. We like to put it in genres. I don't like to put it in genres so much if I can't, <laughs> if right. I don't have to. But it, it, of course, it's all one is part of. It's all part of each other, you know. Country is blues. Blues is country. Blues is jazz. Jazz is country. It's swing, you know. Like it's just it's all intermingled, and yep. most of the musicians in Nashville are aware of that. And, um, you know, it, it's. It's all just it, there's so so much talent here. The level of musicianship is incredible. So that's inspiring, and it kind of makes you lift your game a little bit, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's inspiring, very inspiring. And and, it, and for me, I feel like a kid in a candy shop because you know I, I play a few different. I mainly guitar and sing, but I play play a few different instruments, and I I just love being in that this community of great musicians and people. Yeah. So. Well, you referenced that you moved there four years ago. As best I can tell, your most recent record came out in 2018, which is five years ago. So can you talk about what you've been doing in that time as far as uh, recorded output? Have you have there been singles? Have there been collaborations? Is there a new record on the way? Yeah, I've been doing I did been doing a lot of writing, as you do in Nashville. Mm-hmm. So I had... Um, and have been collaborating more with some local people here. And I live in a, uh, a a great neighborhood here, and and of course half the street is actually full of songwriters. So I love it. yeah, but uh, so I've been um, working on the material. Been, I've had all my material ready to record for a while. I've I've done a few, quite a few demo sessions, mm-hmm. and um, so I'm actually now. Um, going into the the studio to do the full album in December. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm off to Europe in November, and uh, there'll also be a single that I'll be releasing um, second week of November. Okay, great. So, um, and that's kind of come out when I'm in the in the UK. I'm going to UK and Austria and Switzerland, and then when I come back, I'm going to record the whole album and then. Aim is to release that, you know, March, February, March next year. Very cool. I, you know, yeah. Well, with uh, got to talk to the distrib- distribution and scheduling, but that's the 
hope yeah right right yeah but uh, so I've been doing a lot of writing but also and a lot of touring which has kept me out of the stu- I've been busy so that has kept me out of the studio sure sure well, yeah. that's that's how a musician makes their living now you know yeah. is you have to get that's out and right. play it's um, not from uh yeah that's right it's not as much from the online anymore and um yeah and of course and when uh I moved to Nashville about 8 months before the tornado okay about yeah. 9 months before the lockdown so you know yeah we after the um we had you know that huge tornado came we were the whole city was rocked yeah when that came through in 2020 and uh yeah and then literally one month over was our complete one month after that was the complete lockdown yeah so after that i mean i kind of took a little break to for just got in the garden and hung out with my dog and yeah <laughs> took some time off life yeah, a little yeah, bit. absolutely. However well, you, you want to put it. Do you want to talk a little bit about what your live show is like? You've obviously got a ton of material that's available for people to listen to, but you've spent the last few years being out on the road, being uh, writing music. What is your live show like now? What's the, the band set up? And can people expect to hear stuff from across your career? Or can people expect to hear new stuff? What's that look like? I have been playing a lot of stuff from the album that I'm, I mentioned I'm about to record in December. Okay. So it's a it's a mixture. There's again, it's definitely blues influenced, and you can hear that. But I think you will also hear a little bit of the Nashville influence in there too on some of it. Nice. So, uh, like I said, you know, but I I grew up listening to singer songwriters is where I start really started. It was my blue my brother that brought the blues into the house and that uh-huh. you know when I was I was a pretty young kid but that formed who I am but it's um I think that's why you'll find a lot of my music is not straight ahead blues so I usually um I love it but it usually has some different chordal structures and and mm-hmm. melodic changes that are more in the Americana world okay. you know Great. combined with the with the blues groove a lot of the time you know Great. So, yeah, and I have a wonderful, wonderful drummer playing. He's my, one of my favourites around the world <laughs> called uh-huh. George Sluppick. So he's playing with me um, at the coming show and uh, this Saturday. And also my my bass player, David, from Nashville that I play with um, quite, you know, quite a lot. We tour quite a lot together. He's amazing, one of my faves. So um, it's pretty stripped back and pretty raw in essence, but. Great. Yeah, I like it that way. Great. Well, how did um how did this event, Carolina Indie Fest, how did this event land on your radar? How'd you get signed up? Uh well, I think I've just been doing a little more in the area in North Carolina and, and around. And um, you know, this is something that um my booking agent takes uh care of most of my shows. Mm-hmm. So um I I don't know if who contacted who. I, <laughs> I sure. don't know, but yeah, that that's um, you know, often the way it works. It's it's just the fun of it. You don't know where you're going to be, where you're going to end up. But I do love North Carolina a lot, and um, I played I play uh, Greensboro a little bit, and I've, I've played over in um, Fayetteville and 
Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, and I have some friends kind of in Charlotte. I quite play quite a lot there. So, yeah, it's um, it's definitely a favorite destination of mine. So it's going up through the mountains and oh, spending yeah. time there is always good. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you want to talk about where people can find your music, more information about you? Everybody's got a website. There's all the streaming channels, but I always like to ask if there's a specific place you like for people to access your music or any other information uh, about you. Well, I would just say maybe just go ahead and uh, sign on to my mailing list on my website, mm-hmm. and that'll tell you everything. Uh, and it'll um, there'll be some pre-sale copies as well of of my CD that'll be coming out. Or, recording that's coming out next yeah. year yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah so but uh you know everything's on facebook or instagram and as well but uh you know it's best things to get on the mailing list so then i'll you know i'm not uh, i'm not a spammer yeah <laughs> i'll just let you know when there's actually something happening right so. <laughs> right yeah Fantastic. Well, look, I want to thank you for joining me and taking the time to talk to me and the the people who are coming to Carolina Indie Fest. Is there anything that you want to say before we end this? Any anything about your music? Anything about where to find it? Anything at all that you want to add? Um, I would just like to say, um, tell all your friends and get on down to the festival on Saturday. Really, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a beautiful day. So spread the word. And, and I think we're on at 6.45. That's right. So, yeah, yeah um, you know, come down and hear some of my new music. And, yeah, I really hope I see as many people down there as possible. Um, and, again, I'm really excited with the band that will be with me on Saturday. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm just really thankful for your time. Not a problem. Not a problem. For fitting me in. What are you going to play me out on today? Um, I think I'm going to play you out on Groove Train. Nice, nice one. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. This that last album was produced by Anders Osborne, who I'm I'm also a big fan of. Uh, We recorded down in Texas with Ivan Neville on keys. Okay. Wow. Um, and we had uh also um. JJ Johnson on drums. If you're a drummer out there and you're thinking this is a pretty cool groove, it's because JJ Johnson is on drums. <laughs> awesome. Pretty much. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent.
Let your body 